We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. It's funny because we never even told... I don't think me and Ben said that he wasn't going to be here. So this might, this might come as a shock to a lot of people... Uh, oh, that Ben wasn't going to be here. Yeah. Well, just so, pret- like pretend that I'm. Yeah. Talk about it. Don't don't adjust your uh, TV sets. This is this is not Ben Khan and Emil DeRosa. This is Emil DeRosa and Kyla Scanlon. Uh, ben is down under in Australia. Yeah. And we have we're very lucky to have a new host, a new co-host, Kyla Scanlon. You guys know her from. Everywhere, TikTok, social media, Instagram. You've seen her on Twitter. YouTube, Twitter. Twitter. She just interviewed Mary Daly, San Francisco Fed president and CEO. Yeah. Uh, she just taught. She just did a presentation at MIT Graduate School of Business, Sloan. Yes. Not the undergrad kids. The graduate school. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's big. <laughs> Got to separate it out. And she's here with us today to talk about uh, the House of the Dragons finale. Is that right? <laughs> right. <laughs> what is is that Game of Thrones? Oh, this is bad because all my questions are House of <laughs> oh, the Dragons. Oh no, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't Shit. Okay, let me see if I've got anything. <laughs> no, it's just I'm like prepared to comment. <laughs> what did you think when that guy got chomped? Uh, uh, okay. No, we're obviously, we're not going to talk about House of the Dragons. We're going to talk no. about uh, the economy. economy. <laughs> we're going to do a big freaking Yay. bird's eye view On the of the economy. economy. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I love the economy. <laughs> do you love the economy? Yeah. Oh, before we get started, I have to say, so every time we've had a, every time we've had a guest, I would say it's been not great. People say, oh no, fuck you guys. Don't have this person on again. But when we had you on, <laughs> everyone was like, this is the best episode. Uh, and we sorry. still get comments that are like, bring Kyla back. Oh, gosh. Well. And when I knew we were having you back on, I was like, just wait. <laughs> Even once we booked you, we still had people going, I want Kyla. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm glad. So am I. Because, I mean, <laughs> we've got to have at least one guest people like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like all your guests. I think all of them are. No, they were all great. great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but universal praise for oh, your episode. Well, thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna add some applause in there. <laughs> Alex will do it. <laughs> Welcome back to Hockey at the Beat Band. Kramer. When I get done with you, yeah. you ready for Fill me up, Errol. Bitcoin solves this. Bitcoin, 100,000. <laughs> we do have to give the disclaimer again. You got to check it in the description box. Um. Yeah, we should just jump right in because Kyla has so much stuff to talk to us about. We're going to... Mm. Go around the world a little bit. Talk about yeah. what's going on. 
Then we're going to zoom back in, talk about what's going on here yep. in Los Angeles. So let's start in. Oh, no. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Before we. Uh, I, I can fix that. <laughs> before we even do that, I also want to say we haven't covered this yet because I honestly didn't think it would end up happening. And I'm sure you guys have heard. But the Phillies are in the World Series. And that's a big deal for us because if you haven't heard, every time the Phillies win the World Series, there is a uh, <laughs> there's an economic downturn. So uh, before before they were the Phillies, they were the Athletics in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. They won in 1929 and 1930. Not great years for the uh, world economy. Uh, they won in 1980 and then in 2008. Mm-hmm. So. This episode comes out on a Friday. I think game one is tonight. I'm not a big sports guy, but if you want everything to be okay, root against them. Root against the Phillies. Yeah. Correlation is causation for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In my mind, our entire <laughs> world economy is hanging on this. On the Phillies? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On baseball. I like think of myself as not a superstitious person, but when I saw these stories, I was like... It is a little scary. I was like, let's turn our... Baseball hats inside out. Yeah. Rally caps. Yeah. There's also the Avatar movie was released in 2008. Oh, And they're shit. re-releasing it, right? James Cameron. Yeah. Also responsible. Yeah, for recessions. So guys, don't yell at politicians. Don't yell at yeah. presidents. Mm-hmm. Yell Find at James Cameron's house. And the Phillies. And go to the Phillies' houses. Houses. Yeah. And let them know. Let them know protect the economy <laughs> what a mess okay should we go should we talk about the uk first sure and what's going on yeah yeah <laughs> they just picked their new pm pm yeah. and they chose the head of lettuce <laughs> it seems like that for <laughs> a while yeah no it's in- it's interesting i mean it seems like things have calmed down quite a bit but for a while it was just like what is going on right yeah <clears throat> they yeah. picked rishi sunak mm-hmm. to uh succeed Liz Trust. Liz Trust, yeah. Do we... Because I thought Liz was going to be the girl. I thought in Liz we trust. Yeah. But not so much. Yeah. Do you well, think Rishi Sunak can write the ship? <laughs> we'll see. I mean, it'll depend. They're re-releasing <clears throat> the fiscal package on October 31st. So it'll Spooky. depend... Yeah, right? But it'll depend on that. Yeah, and that, what that says. Right. And, you know, there's some reason to have some confidence in Rishi, right? Because he was uh, he was against... Liz's proposals, right? Yeah, I believe he was calling them f- uh, fantasy land yeah. or fairy tale, fairy tale. I economics. think yeah, fantasy land. Yeah. So there's some reason to have some confidence in him. I think other people are a bit disappointed. I don't, I don't know if you saw people were comparing his wealth to the king's wealth. Oh. So <laughs> Rishi Sunak is richer than no the king way. of England. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh no. Between his wife is uh, is very wealthy. Right. From her father's company. Yeah. And uh, they've mm-hmm. been in, they were in some hot water because of. Didn't she evade taxes? Also? Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. Okay. But then she got caught and she was like, all right, all right, I'll pay the taxes. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. <laughs> Even though her, you know, husband was responsible for setting some of the, um, you know, tax policy and everything. Uh, sure. Also, we got a shout out. He's a Stanford business school guy. Kind of our rival show. They don't know it, but they're all right. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For, uh, for, uh, for a very specific for your, weird for... joke that we did with our fans. Oh, really? But Stanford Business School doesn't know we exist, I'm sure. I'm sure they know. They're aware. 
Why wouldn't they be aware? I don't know. I hope yeah. they're aware. Well, yeah. You just have to think positively. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but so another reason we we don't mess with Rishi. Yeah. Well, and hopefully, like, I don't know. It'll depend on what markets decide. Like, if they like Rishi. That's the most important thing right Markets now. really decided they didn't like Liv. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you explain what happened a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So um, they released their fiscal package, like Liz Trust and everything. Um, and it was really inflationary. Like, it was tax cuts and a bunch of fiscal spending. And markets did not like that. And so the pound cratered their currency, get yield soared. And it was just super bad for a while. And then the Bank of England had to step in because their pension funds were about to implode because they had this exposure to liability-driven investments. And so if all of a sudden, you know, get yields are soaring, that means that these LDIs are going to be under a lot of pressure. So the pension funds were under a lot of pressure. So the Bank of England had to step in, fix everything. And um, the markets just were very clear that they were not happy about this inflationary fiscal package that was put forward. Right. I'm confused. What like what was Liz thinking? Like, do you think this was she was like this is my Margaret <laughs> Thatcher moment? We're gonna, you know. I mean, I think like what's really interesting right now about all governments and even in the United States because we have midterms coming up is like the politicking versus actual governance. So there was like no sense in the package being passed. Like the package itself didn't really make a whole lot of sense. It was much more like politics versus actual governing. Right. Um. So I think it's that sort of stuff where you have governments who are just sort of focused on the next re-election, on the next way to gain more power. Um, and that's like a, you know, a really broad brush to paint across all governments. But I think that's a big problem. Yeah. But I, th- and I think that's where it's hard to piece together, right? Because uh, I don't know when their election is, but, you know, it's hard to think like, oh, this is going to win people over. This is going to win people to the conservative party. Mm-hmm. Um, I know times are tough right now, but we're, Slashing taxes for the rich. Mm-hmm. We're going to, I think they were like releasing limits on bankers bonuses and everything. <clears throat> it's hard to see that as a, uh, as a positive outcome for the conservative party in Britain. Yeah. Obviously it didn't work out that well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. A lot of people are talking about Liz Truss. She, um, she accomplished a lot of things that like the, the British left could not. She killed the queen. She <laughs> she didn't single-handedly <laughs> Maybe. she uh she you know killed the conservative party um yeah so i don't know lots of changes happening for that sort of stuff yeah yeah and weren't you saying there's a lot that you know the u.s could learn from what is going on in britain yeah i mean i think that there's going to have to be a specifically on the monetary policy side um it, it, like how the markets responded is important to pay attention to and I don't like a lot of people will be like, oh, if you're saying that markets basically dictated what happened to Liz Truss, you're saying that democracy can't exist under capitalism, which is like, I don't know if that's true or not. I, I think it has to exist. No, she it's true. She <laughs> I'm not saying. Well, it's just interesting because like so you have fiscal policymakers. So people like Liz Truss, people like Joe Biden, like the U.S. government, the U.K. government. And then you also have monetary policy decision makers. So here in the United States, the Federal Reserve over there, the Bank of England. And then you also have like markets now and you've always had markets like Mm -hmm. they've always been the final judge of policy but for the united states specifically like how um markets responded to this in uh, this fiscal package
language that was put forward, the the United States is going to have to pay attention to that. And I don't like there's different measures in place that we won't have that same sort of fallout. Like we don't have pension funds that are overly exposed to that sort of leverage that was in the liability driven investments. But it's still like something that is important to to watch is like market fundamentalism and how it right. plays out. Yeah. I don't think we really have pension funds here. <laughs> yeah, nobody retires. <laughs> yeah. You just work until you Our die. retirement yeah. plan is to work until yeah. you're dead. Yeah, and that's... That's uh, mine. That's mine too. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, real quick before we move on, can you explain a little bit that uh, the difference between monetary policy and fiscal policy? Because I think oh. we're going to talk about that yeah. a lot and I want people to... Yeah, yeah. Um, so monetary policy is basically that the central banks deciding what to do. Um, and here in the United States, the central banks have a political mandate where they are responsible for maximum employment and price stability. So Congress gives them that mandate and they're like, here you go, like you take care of that, you take care of the monetary policy side of things. And then the fiscal policy side of things is the US government. So what the government decides to do, what politicians decide to do, it's that side. So it's two different um, sides. So like here in the United States, the central bank is a independent body but it still has like a mandate from congress yeah, yeah the Fed. Mm -hmm. okay should we move on to china a little bit didn't you want to talk yeah, about yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> well i don't want to talk about... uh well china just picked china just had their they just picked no <laughs> that's bad uh, yeah that's a bad way to say it uh xi jinping cemented his power yes very um, much so again Markets did not like it. Yeah, mar yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, but I think they might have less say in China. Yeah, well, the U.S. markets didn't. Oh, well, it was interesting though, because J.P. Morgan was like, "Now it's a great buying opportunity <laughs> to get into China stocks," and it's like, oh. um, but yeah, I mean, now if you have exposure to China, you have exposure to Xi. So it's just kind of, um, it's a tough spot. There was a really good video from um, this former, I think he was a Singapore prime minister. I messed that up. Our Singapore cabinet member. And he was sort of talking about like what China's plan is. And for them, like they can kind of move slowly. They don't have to respond to political pressures in the same way that the United States does. And so they're just um, like there's a lot of pressures on their economy right now. And that's why they release their metrics so late. And that's also what investors didn't like was how con concerning it is that a lot of these numbers are increasingly being papered over. Right. Yeah. And what are some of those things that's uh, affecting the Chinese economy so heavily? Well, the property sector. So over there, real estate is huge. Like people get a lot of exposure to real estate. It's one of the main ways to build wealth. And that's been cratering. Um, and also there's a lot of insulation from outside investment. So like nobody really knows what goes on because they all do internal auditing. So there isn't a lot of knowledge about what's actually happening behind the scenes. So like that aspect of it, it makes it less attractive to outside investment. And then also internally, their property sector isn't doing very well. And then also the, the lockdowns, they've been under lockdown for right. a long time. A lot of people yeah. might not be aware, but they're still mm -hmm. doing, I think they still have the zero COVID yeah. policies in place. Yeah. And they're easing back on that for sure. They are? Uh, I think so. Okay. It's not coming up as much. <clears throat> um, but I mean, they're still like, if, if that was happening here in the United States, it would be... Yeah, I think, I mean, I think people are very unhappy there about it. It sounds like, you know, there's a... Where is that? Where? Yeah. Um... <laughs> Come on, make it up. <laughs> <laughs> Fiji. Fiji? Yeah, that's in Fiji. Oh, nice. I've never been there. 
We were talking about China. Oh, zero COVID yeah, policies. Yeah, and that's really bad for your economy, really bad for demand. And consumer spending is a huge portion of how economies grow. So it's just not not great. Yeah. Not great. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure they have like a lower vaccination rate, but there are plans to get that rate up. And if mm-hmm. they start getting more people vaccinated, they can open up more effectively. Yeah. Um, also, are you? do you know anything about the, is it called the Chips and Science Act? No. Oh, really? Yeah, tell me. With the Congress passed the Chips and Science Act, they want to be, they want the U.S. to become more mm-hmm. competitive with, yeah. well, producing chips here, and not only more competitive, I think, to hedge against uh, like geopolitical events or not only geopolitical, you know, even if there's more uh, outbreaks of COVID, things that yeah. slow down microchip yeah. mm-hmm. production. Um, so, yeah, more domestic production of all of those things, yeah. ideally. Yeah. And also um, isolating China from American-made chips. Mm. Anywhere in the process of making the chips, if American industry touch them, China, China cannot, which is going to be hard for China to be yeah. isolated from that production. Can America do that easily, though? Uh, I don't. We're kind of seeing it be being implemented now. I was actually pretty surprised at how quickly it happened. I think Joe Biden issued an or the Biden administration issued an order uh, because they don't even want Americans working for Chinese companies anymore. So yeah, I think I, I, saw that. I think Americans who were working um, in chip production at Chinese companies, I think they told them uh, either quit or renounce your yeah. citizenship. Mm-hmm. Zero option, which I was surprised about. Yeah. Um, so that is also going to be hard for the Chinese economy. Well, and also probably not ideal for the United States, um, just because you know the two countries have so much exposure to each other. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess if that makes it, <laughs> that's tough. And like also, it does seem like the United States has talked about this before. Like Janet Yellen has been really focused, who's the um, head of the Treasury, Treasury. yeah, Treasury Secretary. Um, She's talked a lot about friendshoring and how we have to like... Talked about what? Friendshoring. Friendshoring? Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, it's essentially what you're saying to a certain extent, like getting production away from China, from other nations that maybe we don't agree with to a certain extent, or the United States doesn't agree with to a certain extent on views. Um, (laughs) Sure. So that's that's the goal, and and, and there's um that's good to a certain extent, and it's bad to a certain extent. Uh, just we've gotten really used to globalization. We've gotten really used to you know two day shipping, and that's not going to go away. But I think these efficiencies that we've expected in modern life are going to be pressured by these these signs of deglobalization that we seem to be experiencing. Right. Yeah. They might go away though. Uh. What would go in? like you know two day shipping and <laughs> it's some pretty of these wild inconveniences there, like some of these conveniences we've yeah. become accustomed to. There was an article in the Atlantic by Derek Thompson that was interviewing a postal worker who you know sorts up throughout all the packages from Amazon, and he's like, I have to get in at one o'clock in the morning, sort through these packages. It's like insane physical labor. And it's just so you all can have packages on Sunday and have packages on holidays. So we've almost gotten used to. This, these efficiencies in a way that probably isn't net good for society. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's another obvious we send thing. But... Derek to an Amazon warehouse. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's yeah. the you know you we kind of have come to realize oh we can't have these conveniences yeah. without some human suffering. Yeah. And I guess we have to decide 
how much suffering <laughs> is okay f- to get you know well and that also like that's an interesting point too is the labor market like so the labor market is very tight right now to a certain extent so people can demand what they want from their employers because it's like well I, you have to have a job and you have to have people working and so I wonder if we'll see like more worker power come in just because employers need these people to work. Labor market has been historically tight. And so that could put some pressure on the idea of efficiencies too. Right. Mm-hmm. Not to jump ahead, but that kind of... Is that, ahead. <laughs> well, that yeah. leads me to something like I want to talk about a little bit with the Fed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's kind of... We talked about this a little bit, but I said we'll save it for the show. But yeah. I wanted to... I wanted to text you about like because when i watch everything going on with the fed and the economy it's it's hard to you know it's hard to figure out what i want to happen but but like genuinely what i want to happen is you know for us to get out of this situation with as little suffering for ordinary people as possible um extraordinary people though i don't care, I don't care how <laughs> like, much they suffer like mark zuck he's lost 70 billion <laughs> yeah great so yeah. fun right yeah. <laughs> probably more now yeah. uh someone actually just texted me before it started and said i guess uh facebook is now worth less than home depot oh nice okay. um so meta you mean no one out meta. meta sorry meta. <laughs> <laughs> no one out homes the depot um <laughs> but <clears throat> you know among progressives, there are there's these kind of uh, two different arguments about what the Fed is doing, because we're experiencing one of the fastest rate hikes in history. Some people yeah. are very upset about that. They're saying that Jerome Powell is intending to cause a recession. He wants people to he wants people thrown out of work. Um, and then, kind of the other side, people are saying, "No, this low rate environment is is what caused." a huge mm. amount of uh you know of, of ever widening wealth gap it made it made borrowing very easy for the wealthy um yeah. it kind of led to the financialization of everything mm. and what you were talking about with the labor market is you know that's i think i fall more on the side of like him raising rates as quickly as he is is um i don't think he's expli- as explicit as maybe someone like larry summers who's like mm. you know we got to get it up to we got to get the unemployment rate up to over 5% and it's at about what it's lower than 3.5%. Three three percent, percent. Yeah. But when people say things like that they're talking about millions of people losing millions, their jobs. Millions, yeah. Yeah, and, that'd probably be 2 million people losing their jobs. Right. Yeah. And that's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And but like people t- you you say the numbers and you're like, well, 1.5%, what's you know. Yeah, what's it doesn't sound like The that. difference is a couple million people out of work. Mm-hmm. And you know, I tend to think that you know, a tight labor market can be good. I think if people yeah. are demanding things um, I'd much rather see us deal with it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, where 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 do you shake out on this? I know you told me that your thoughts on the Fed have changed a little mm-hmm. bit since the last time we talked. So I'd love yeah. to hear about what that is. Yeah, well, the economy has changed right. since the last time we talked. But I think you're totally right that it's really difficult to have that conversation and to see the headlines. And this is something I get asked a lot where it's like, why does the Fed want people to lose their jobs? Like that doesn't even sound like a plausible thing but the whole thing is like they want people to lose their jobs so the economy slows down so inflation goes down and in their eyes 
people losing their jobs and not demanding as much money from their employers will help inflation go down. Inflation goes down, then everybody will be happy again. And then everyone can get back up. Like, And I think the issue with that is like, <laughs> um, it, it is sort of like suffer in the short term for benefits in the long term. But there isn't a promise that the long term will play out that way, right? Right. So I think I, I, I agree with you that if we're in an environment where workers can demand more from their employers, that's really good. Like there's a research paper that talks about how a lot of people are underpaid, um, obviously, right? Like right. they should be demanding more. They can get more out of their employer. And so I'm not saying like, I don't know what I'm saying with that, but I do think that what the Fed is doing is tough to to swallow because it's all these different lines that are kind of like pointing to this one direction of get inflation down but also they're using demand side tools which a lot of people pointed out using demand side tools to fight supply side inflation um, and there's a video from katie porter who's talking about you know 50 percent oh, of yeah. inflation is uh, to a certain corporate extent profits. corporate profits yeah which is yeah. wild and, and and obviously inflation is global it's an energy crisis it's a supply chain crisis it's all these different things but to say like oh you people just need to stop buying so many things right it feels ridiculous yeah and like that's in the issue is like the and the fed is doing the best they can with what they have right so they have a really blunt tool to raise rates to shrink their balance sheet and that is to make people stop demanding things and so inflation goes down but the issue with that is if you don't fix the underlying problem of we don't have enough energy production, we don't have enough food production, we don't maybe have the right allocation of labor, right? Like if you just stopped, like what they're doing is putting a Band-Aid on like a gushing wound. Right. It's going to keep on bleeding through the Band-Aid, you know? right. <laughs> which is really gory, but yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that also, that reminds me of, I watched your talk with Mary Daly. Oh, Everyone should go watch it. It's very cool. Uh, were you very excited to talk oh to God. a Fed president? Yeah. <laughs> That's like a rock yeah. star for you. Yeah, I know. It was, it was, <laughs> they, we got on the call and, um, like the initial call, and they were like, Oh, we're a big fan of you. And I was like, Shut up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and she, she said she watched one of my videos where I was, I had props in the video. And she's like, Oh, I saw that one. And I was like, This is so embarrassing. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, yeah no, was, she was, I mean, she was very cool. And speaking of, you know, yeah, the stuff we were great. talking her about. Her story's cool too. Yeah, yeah, the stuff we were talking about with Rishi, I'm glad you mm -hmm. asked her about her story because, you know, that's one of the things people are pissed about Rishi getting in. They're saying, yeah, you know, we're living through a crisis and this is going to be the guy going out to have a conversation and say, you know, I know this is going to affect working class people. Like, we're really sorry that you have to suffer through it. Yeah. And it's like, you don't fucking know. But, you know, she talks about how I think she had to drop out of high school yeah, when her... Yeah, had to get jobs. Had to get When her parents lost their jobs yeah. um, in an economic downturn. It must have been the 80s. I'm just guessing from her age. Mm -hmm. Um but you, uh, what's that? So, so seven, she lived through a high inflationary time too. So I think it was the seven. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Um, but then you had, you had asked her about their relationship with the U S government, right? Like, you know, the relationship between fiscal and monetary policy. She, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe she misunderstood the question a little bit or something, or maybe just didn't want to talk about that because she said, well, we don't have one. We're an independent body. And she talked about how they just have the one tool, which honestly always feels so ridiculous where, where we task them with this huge thing and they're like, you have, you have the one tool. Go ahead, do it. Yeah. Fix the whole house. Yeah. And like the way that they figured out that that worked um, back when the Fed was founded in like 1913, it was a mistake. 
like open our open market operations, which is what they do to like nudge around rates. It was the, it was a mistake. Like they were like, oh, this kind of moves interest rates around. Like let's use this. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's like when yeah. it's like when scientists are trying to yeah. figure out like a heart medicine, and they're like, yeah. I don't know, it makes your dick hard here. Yeah. Viagra. <laughs> or the guy who founded acid wasn't that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He accidentally ingested some. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like pretty much every medicine is an accident. They're like, we're going to fix this. And then they're like, I don't know. Look at this it's a dick pill. <laughs> <laughs> but so, with what you're talking about, doesn't it seem like we should have more of a relationship between fiscal and monetary policy? Well, so the reason that they're independent in the first place is so politicians, which, okay, so there's like two threads here. So the reason that they're independent in the first place is because they don't want politicians to be all short term and be like, oh, I have to get reelected. Like, let's nudge the Fed around so everything looks good and people want to reelect me. And the issue with that is like you have these elected representatives now coming out. I think it's Sherrod Brown um, from Ohio came out the other day. Somebody else came out this morning and was like, hey, no, the Fed, you got to chill out. And they're not supposed to be doing that. Like the Fed does report to Congress. I think it's semi-annual or maybe it's semi-annual. Okay. Um, and they tell Congress how things are going. But now you have these elected, yeah, Hickenlooper from uh, Colorado wrote a letter. Oh, yeah, to, your guy, John Hickenlooper. Yeah, he wrote a letter to Jerome <laughs> Powell um, and he said, I write to urge the Federal Reserve to pause and seriously consider the negative consequences of again raising interest rates. And so Sherrod Brown asked Jerome Powell to slow down interest rate rises in a letter one week before the FOMC meeting. The FOMC meeting is next week and two weeks before congressional elections. And so you have this independent body of their pseudo independent, mm-hmm. pseudo independent body. I always say pseudo and people get really mad, but <laughs> fuck if you get mad about Swedo, fuck you i know it's so oh anyway but um so pseudo independent body of the federal reserve that is supposed to be you know insulated to a certain extent of the short-termism of the fiscal side uh but yeah so to your point about like mary daly maybe not addressing how the interlinkage between fiscal and monetary policy works Sorry, it wasn't throwing shade at your girl no no yeah, yeah. it's okay <laughs> um well so the minneapolis fed president also spoke to this um a few weeks ago and he was like yeah like if we had more supply side help which would be fiscal policy that would be great and like fiscal policy could help with this by like helping mandate more housing being built um helping to figure out more regulation around labor allocation like all of these different things like supply chain energy production like all of that is is a policy mandate that the fed can't do like the fed can't print oil as everybody says they can't print corn um so it's like (laughs) i know right yeah no but so i think the 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 problem for me is yeah it doesn't have the intended concept like the intended result they wanted right and it seems like the 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 result we have Mm. is well politicians like screaming at the fed and being like they're not fucking doing it like it's their job to fix it and then you have the fed going like we're not getting enough help and it's like yeah. what i feel like i'm like with divorced yeah a, a divorced yeah. Couple, like just talk yeah, to each other talk to each other yeah well i mean i i really think that like midterms are a big problem um and i don't think it gets talked about enough it's like the you're saying abolish midterms don't let people vote oh my god i don't even know what i think about the political system but, <laughs> okay. but like i no i don't think that <laughs> no, no. i think it's just funny to say to i think the midterms yeah. are a problem yeah well I, I so i i think the 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 mindset around midterms yeah, yeah, yeah. is the problem where people are so distracted by re-election that they're not as focused on passing policy right you know i've seen you uh i told you i wanted to talk about your 
some t- I've seen you tweet at politicians. Mm. Um, <laughs> I try not to do it. <laughs> 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 because it's like, it's something that's useless. You know, you're like yelling at a window or something or at the mirror, maybe. True. Yeah. Sometimes it just feels good. Though. I know, but then people yell at you <laughs> too. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you just have to live with it, you know? Yeah. I'm getting yelled at on Twitter right now, but it's okay. About what? Honestly, because I made fun of TikTok, it's fine. Oh, uh, no. Oh, I'm on TikTok. No, I, I, I never go on TikTok and like someone sent me one and it opens the app when you do it and then I clicked out of it and then it was whatever was on the home screen and it was some like old song so i clicked the sound and i just was like this is making me feel crazy because i just kept flipping through oh yeah <laughs> i just kept flipping through the sound obviously no but it just oh. makes you feel crazy and did I did ju- people make fun of you because it's a bunch of girls no people made f- they think that i don't know that i clicked a sound they're like oh he's so stupid um but it's fine <laughs> twitter is such a cess and people are like quote tweeting me and being like Oh yeah, like anyone can click this. Oh my god, and make it no! Seem, but oh, you're getting dragged. <laughs> Local man. <laughs> <laughs> what does it say? Local man clicks on a trending sound. Surprise you people having fun having with fun the, fun the trend. It was a dumb joke. Don't make dumb jokes on Twitter. That's the thing. Well, also, you never know like what people are gonna glom onto. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, oh yeah, for sure. And it sucks because I'll write a tweet and I'll go. Well, I did it. You're the funniest man in the world. Oh, they're being have... so nice to you. <laughs> you clicked on a sound of a dumbass. Of course, there's... All... Yeah, I know. I know what I did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're getting so much pleasure out of everyone. I, I mean, listen, people say all sorts of things to me, so... It's nice to see someone else get you back. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because I tell people, like, I, like, purposely don't... I feel like it's a, you know, yeah, I see you go through it. Like being, <laughs> being sincere on Twitter is like just, oh God, it's like putting a kick me. Did you see the girl who tweeted that she goes into the garden with her husband and yes, yeah, that's a per- like that was wild and people were screenshotting. So if, if, for those of you who don't know, I think, I think she said like, there's nothing like waking up and going into my garden with my husband and drinking tea. Yeah. It's the most relaxing yeah, thing. Yeah, and we can do it for hours every morning. And the thing is, once a tweet hits anywhere above, like, I don't know, a thousand likes, it starts to, like, hit the algorithm and you it starts to hit just the most, um, you know, yeah. just creatures who come yeah. out of the... That's a good <laughs> um, and they start, there it is. they start picking it apart and they think you're... It's they take it so personally. It's such a sweet tweet. Yeah, she it's, loves it, hanging out with her husband. But then what happened was some guy like people were like, actually, a lot of people can't afford yeah. gardens, and this is like, <laughs> which is like valid, I guess. But yeah, so it's also like not everything in the world is going to apply to you. You're not like the main character of the universe, right? You know, right? Yeah. Sometimes this is just for my followers who know that I'm an idiot. Yeah. And I like to scroll through the same sound and make it sound stupid. Like imagine like making a whole tweet, like being like, you're stupid. Like (laughs) (laughs) That's another, imagine taking the time. Yeah. 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 But anyway, as someone who takes the time to tweet at people. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. I basically did tweet at her and was like, you're stupid. (laughs) (laughs) We got here because you were yelling at us. Because I was that. I Uh, was this. No, but I was, that was kind of when, but so, but that, not to joke about it, I was I was genuinely a little bit curious because I think she was saying, you know, I think she being Elizabeth Warren. Yes, yeah. oh, I wish I had the tweet, but she was she was basically responding to like Jerome Powell's 
decision to hike rates and you know she was basically like this is irresponsible you know yeah. that or i think in i think when he went to go speak to congress she was asking him like yeah can can the yeah, fed asking crazy stuff yeah can, can the fed um do anything about yeah oil prices can the fed do anything about the crisis in, in ukraine can they do anything about corporate profits can they do you know what i mean yeah. and he was like no of course not um and her point being those are the real causes of inflation. You can't actually do anything about it. Yeah. yeah. And you said. Well, so the tweet was she tweeted out Federal Reserve Chair Powell just announced another extreme interest rate hike while forecasting higher unemployment. I've been warning that Chair Powell's Fed would throw millions of Americans out of work. And I fear that he's already on the path to doing so. And this was in September. So a month ago. Yeah. yeah. This is the economy has like changed. It's always changing. That's the fun thing about. But I said to her, this is an incredibly irresponsible thing to tweet. Um, and the people underneath were like, I disagree with you. Like, why do you not like this? And basically the reason... I and for the record, I don't disagree with you. I was, I'm was, i just curious. Yeah. I well, it's okay if you disagree. Yeah, no, no, I don't. I was just yeah. curious. Yeah. Well, I, I think the reason I said it in the first place was... It's sort of like this is what they've been mandated to do. And I don't think the original tweet had enough context on like why they're doing what they're doing. So like the way that she is saying it is like the Fed is doing this major rate hike, everybody, and they're going to put you out of work. And I've been saying that they shouldn't do that. But it's like, <laughs> that is the toolkit that they have. And I don't mean to be like a Fed apologist about it, but like, I do think that you, if you're an elected representative, representative, you have to provide that additional context to people so they know why all these dominoes are tipping. Just saying, hey, everybody, he's putting you out of work. Sorry. Like, that doesn't help. Right. Yeah. She needs to include. The real truth is that we actually won't do anything yeah. in Congress. Yeah. Th they're also responsible. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be great. I mean, <clears throat> I'm sure you saw... It, this was a while ago at this point, like the Joe Biden did like a little Wall Street Journal op-ed. I'm sure he wrote oh, it, yeah. but he was basically mm -hmm. like, he basically was like, and you know, I'm going to let the Fed do their thing. Yeah. They're going to leave. Yeah. And he was basically like, I, uh -huh, I remember I am not doing this. Yeah. The Fed is doing it. Well, in, in my interview with Mary Daly, she said that like half of the inflation comes from the demand side, half comes from the supply right. side. So she, and so like they're responsible for for half of the fixing fixing half of the inflation um the government is if you go by that mindset right um so that's also the issue is that they are res responsible for for fixing it but the 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 fed is technically responsible for fixing it so it's easy for them to be like well the fed is responsible for price stability that's yeah. why they're there Honestly, now that you're saying it, I'm kind of like, if I was the Fed, I'd be like, fuck you guys. I'm tired of you guys yelling at me. We're just going to hit the button. We're going to fucking do it. Okay. <laughs> the people have said that. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring yeah. prices down. Yeah, if you want they us do. To. Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Government won't do anything. Yeah. You guys are screaming at me. Yeah. We've oh, screamed. it's it's such a hard job. I, I can't even imagine. <clears throat> yeah. What do you think about this? We parent trap <laughs> the U.S. government and the Fed. Okay. Um, We get them in the same room. We make yeah. them fall in love. Uh, and work together yeah. to solve the problem. I think it, that would be awesome. It'd be functional, <laughs> which would be a good change. It'll be what? Functional. Right? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit more about the uh, <clears throat> the other side of it, though? Like, what do you think about the people who say, you know, there is just like 
we've pumped too much money mm. into the economy, into yeah. Wall Street. Yeah. I, uh, you know, there is a part of me that finds that um, yeah. argument a little bit persuasive. Mm. Uh, you know, when you talk about like a lot of money coming out of like crypto and, you know, I mean, also when, when we're talking, we talked about this on the show, you know, you see those headlines of, <clears throat> and it's a great headline, nine trillion, the Americans have lost nine trillion dollars over the past, whatever, yeah. right? But really that's coming, I think it was like eight point something trillion was from like the top 10% probably. Yeah. Um. You know, average Americans aren't as exposed to the... Well, the top 1% of Americans own 50% of stocks. Yeah, or I think that, uh, I think, and you were saying the top 10% own 50 and then the top 1% own like 89%, like right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or did I say it wrong? <laughs> oh, no, I don't remember exactly. But that doesn't make sense mathematically. Anyway, but yeah. We're not so, a math but, show. We're not an <laughs> MIT fucking... But essentially, right, like... Uh, the, 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 and this is also what, not to keep on bringing up Mary and <clears throat> no, bring up Mary as much as you want, right? <laughs> my interview. Mary's but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that was also what she was saying is that like the the distribution of assets is not equal, like, like houses, stocks, all that stuff. Right, so, but and so, but what you're saying is like, did the Fed inflate the bubble a little bit too much? Yeah, yeah. And I think, <clears throat> I think part of the argument for people who are talking about it in that way, it, they were like, we are going to have to pay for this at some point. It might as well be now. Oh my God. I don't, <laughs> so I kind of hate that mindset. And I guess it makes sense. Like a lot of people are like, oh, we need a recession to like clean out the gutters of the economy, like, like all this stuff. And it's like, I don't know if we necessarily need that. I do think that there's been excess and like, um, a little bit of a pullback is good for the reallocation of excess. Like, the, I mean, the valuations that were being attached to some of these crypto companies were just unsustainable. Um, but that's also the fault of maybe not the Federal Reserve, but also uh, VC, PE firms, hedge funds, right, who are allocating this capital. So I think it's sort of like if you want to place the blame, you have to do it in a tiered way, like doing one of those tier charts right. and point to where the blame can go. But I do think you're right. Like there, there has been excess in the economy. Um, and a pullback is good for sort of clearing the brush out a little bit, but I don't think that we have to have a full blown recession. Right. <clears throat> and I think there, I, I don't think they're doing it in a callous way when they say like, oh, we just need a recession, like clear things out, reset. I think sometimes it's a thing of, you know, be realistic. I mean, yeah. you know, the stuff we're talking about where, you know, getting them to use fiscal policy in a effective way is you know it feels it feels like fantasy i mean it feels like yeah. <clears throat> yeah. i think we'd all love it if we had a um efficient governing body in the country that you know could have ef efficiently manage markets and stuff like that but i don't think we have that and so sometimes you're like yeah fuck it push yeah. the button yeah well and i think also like the younger generation, so like people under thirty, under thirty-five, even they've Thank just you. been. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to go a long way for me. I'm thirty-three. Oh, are and you said young people oh, under thirty. I, I think I, and then yeah. you said thirty-five. Yeah, because yeah. you and Ben were talking about that on the show, and somebody was like, "Why is Ben older than my dad?" Because <laughs> 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 he's 
older, right? Oh, he's like <laughs> 40. <it's laughs> no, he's, I think he's 35. Well, okay. So people, I mean, everybody, right? But young people you under know, 35. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, oh man, the train totally left the station. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, under 35, a lot of frustration because like, <clears throat> Like for me, I was born like right when the tech crisis was happening. So like you're born into a crisis and then the 2000, like the financial crisis happens, a pandemic happens, there's a land war in Europe. And so I think for a lot of people, it's like, wow, like things are just like the system is always trending towards disorder and uh, there's just no escape. So like, why wouldn't we have a recession? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just. It's just been a constant. Yeah. Every time we begin to recover, they're yeah. like, oh, we fucked it up again. And there's a lot of financial nihilism too. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And like the New York Times had a good article about that where it's just like, why would I save for the future? Like there's a climate crisis. Like there's all this stuff that um, is concerning. So I think, yeah, to your point, um, it, it, if, if something good happened and there's a lot of good things happening, but if something good happened, I think a lot of people would be like, it's just going to get bad again. You know, speaking of that arc i mean just from like real life um because i you know i'm 33 and a lot of people my age are you know getting married and starting to like decide about kids and stuff and <clears throat> i went to new york i think it was last august right when that ipcc report came out about like they were like mm-hmm. we fucked it it's done we're not going to we're not going to make it mm-hmm. and you know i was meeting up with people i hadn't seen in a long time and talking to them everyone was just so like despondent and they were, you know, a a couple of my friends were like, what have I been saving money for? I was like, they were, I'm just going to start spending it. I don't fucking care. Like none of it's going to be here. And, uh, my one friend said he's been microdosing retirement and he really Mm -hmm. has, he's been traveling (laughs) about just spending all his money. Yeah. I think a lot of people are in that boat, especially after being, you know, locked inside for, a couple of years with the pandemic and stuff. I think right. there's a lot of excess demand for that sort of lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we move on to anything else, we jumped so far ahead because yeah, we started sorry. talking about, no, no, it was my fault. I, I No, I brought up the labor market. No, no. And you know, I go crazy. When we talk about labor. <laughs> you know, I can't help, if we're talking about labor, I'm going to go fucking nutty. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> um, it's really interesting. So, but I did want you to talk about the, uh, Let's go back to the kind of world economy a little bit and talk about the dollar wrecking ball. And maybe you can explain that a little bit, because I think it's important to understand that this is not as much as, you know, Joe Biden with the ice cream talking about he's worried about the American economy. It's 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 affecting the whole world. Yeah. Um, And I think we also we have a little bit of. uh, Oh, yeah. yeah, Great. If you go to 40 slide 40. Kyle is going to tell us a little bit about. Yeah. Dollar ominos. Yes, yeah. So when the Fed raises rates, there's all sorts of consequences. And basically one of the consequences, not necessarily a bad thing until it gets really bad, is the US dollar. Everybody wants it because the United States is like, somebody said that the United States is the cleanest shirt and a dirty laundry basket oh, right okay. now. So you're picking yeah. them out, smelling them, and you're like, yeah. Mm-mm. But the United States yeah. smells okay, right? Like Japan. Japan. <laughs> Japan's a super dirty shirt right now. <laughs> You're like, yeah. that needs a wash. Yeah. Also, this is, I, as I started to do the joke, I'm going. like, this is a really hard joke to do because I don't want to like list the country and go stinky, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, tough. <laughs> Sorry. That was, I, I didn't, I didn't help you with that either. No. <laughs> yeah. It was my fault. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Yeah, we should honestly cut that. I didn't say something. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I don't even remember. That's the problem with all the... The yeah. analogies. You yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of them. Like, if you read... Somebody actually emailed me once, and they're like, you got to stop with these metaphors. <laughs> well, it'll help if we go Japan economy. It's stinky. Most, no. Not, like, people. <laughs> Am I making it worse? Just move on. <laughs> <laughs> um dollar dollar ramenos but uh, so when the fed raises rates that creates the safe haven status of the dollar because everyone is like wow you know i want to have dollar denominated assets so there's outsized demand for the dollar which creates the dollar go up sort of thesis um but what when when that happens that puts a lot of pressure on emerging market nations because they have dollar denominated debt and so all of a sudden that becomes more expensive to finance. And then also energy imports become more expensive for those nations. And then it also puts a lot of pressure on corporations, domestic corporations here in the United States that do business abroad. And so the dollar, if it becomes strong enough, it just creates all these other pressure points in the global economy, which it has been doing. <clears throat> right. Um, and that worsens everything for everybody. Yeah. Can we can we put the next slide up? And um, this might help. This is a very fun... Oh, my my comic. <laughs> is it okay yeah. if we show it? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's in my notes. Uh, and look, if you're an audio listener, it's you'll be able to follow along very easily. But um, Kyla has made it very easy for us to see yeah. the impact of the stronger dollar. Yeah. So she's got a picture of Jerome Powell here from the Fed Reserve raising rates to, <laughs> to fight inflation. And then we have the world saying, wow, the dollar's looking pretty strong and hot right now. I might invest. And then, oh man, can we zoom in a little bit? Oh, you can't read that? Okay, enough <laughs> with the... This is becoming a fucking ageist show. Um, <laughs> I wear contacts and, uh, you know, there we go. Look at that. Now that I can read. The world. The, wow, the dollar is increasing the cost of our energy mm -hmm. imports and dollar-denominated debt. This is bad. U.S. corporations, our export costs are skyrocketing. The we got Janet Yellen here yeah. from the Treasury. We see the dollar ripping right now, but we cannot yeah. intervene because the Fed is going to continue hiking. Therefore, our efforts moot. Yeah. And then the Fed, also a stronger dollar, helps fight inf inflation because reduced import costs for us. <laughs> and then the U.S. dollar. I only grow in strength. Right. Yeah. And so this could have a huge impact on the world economy. I mean, you're really seeing it in emerging markets yeah. right now already right yeah. i think sri lanka is probably the worst case everything's getting way more expensive yeah. for them servicing their debt um energy energy is a big one mm -hmm. <clears throat> but even a country like japan yeah. is having a lot of trouble yeah the yen has lost 50 percent against the dollar this year which is bad, bad for the japanese but i'm going but you're going yeah so good for you <laughs> so i hope it yeah. turns around in two weeks <laughs> Once I leave. Yeah. yeah. No, but the, yeah, it's it's really. And concerning. is part of it because they're the Bank of Japan. Is that what they're? Yeah. So, okay. The Bank of Japan is not hiking rates. Is that, is that right? They're doing easing. Yeah. So they're essentially in their bond market buying up all the bonds in order to do yield curve control on their 10 year. And, and so why is that? Like, because wouldn't it ease some of these problems a little bit if they were to raise rates as well? It would just create a whole bunch of different issues. And they've been easing for so long that I don't even think they would know how to tighten. Um, so they've just always kept this this plan. Okay. And like what's interesting is because they've they're in the bond market, like buying up bonds, now there's no longer demand 
further bonds besides coming from the Bank of Japan because the Bank of Japan is going to be top buyer. So even if they did step back, it would, and we're actually experiencing this a little bit here in the United States with the Treasury market because the Fed is stepping back from buying up uh, mortgage-backed securities and other bonds. Um, and that's creating sort of this hole of structural demand in the treasury market, liquidity issues around that. And that, if it, so going back to the Bank of Japan, if they all of a sudden step back from their bond market, like it'd be like, who's who's going to buy this stuff? Right. Yeah. And everyone's going, I want those sweet, sweet US Don't. bonds. Yeah. Well, to a certain extent, yeah. But like, so the Fed is just <clears throat> a huge buyer of bonds. And then um, commercial banks are like, well, I don't know, man, like we're kind of nervous right now. We're not going to be buying up as much stuff. And then foreign investment is drying up because the dollar is so strong. And so there is sort of an issue around structural demand for US treasuries too. I love picturing that. I, I really hope like these execs and politicians are are talking the way you say, I don't know, man. These <laughs> <laughs> I think they are. <laughs> um, should we jump into crypto a little bit? Because we're running out of time, but I really oh, want... We? No, we 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 we'll make it. Um, but I just want to. Number one, didn't even talk about the housing market. Oh shit! Which would you rather talk about? I, no, you choose. It's your show. Oh man, don't make me choose <laughs> between my two favorite things: the housing market and crypto. A house or crypto? <laughs> um, a lot of maybe we can do both. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, uh, we don't have to. Yeah. Let's jump into housing a little bit. Tell me what's yeah, going on. I just think it's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, and important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's yeah. do the housing market. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tell me what's going on in the housing market. Well, so house prices are sort of going down. Rents are going down a little bit. Um, but that's also another interesting thing. It's like, so the Fed's been raising rates, right, in order to battle inflation. And where most of the impact is showing up is in the housing market. Because mortgage rates went from like 3.5% all the way up to 7%. Right. So if you wanted to get a house, you're just like basically straight out of luck right now. Because uh, yeah. <clears throat> that means you are seeing housing prices come down mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's necessarily more affordable right yeah it's rate of change not level because with these uh but with these new interest rates you're gonna be paying a lot per month for less house yeah yeah exactly so affordability has just completely cratered and uh, so and inflation is slowing on houses but they're still more they're still more expensive than they were a year ago right they're still yes higher? yeah okay. yeah um, Everything is still more expensive. There's just a lot of supply constraints. And people don't want to, because there's uncertainty around the economy, people don't want to move. And they don't want to, like 32 million, so there's like houses and rents, and I'm kind of like mixing up the two a little bit. But like 32 million people have no mortgage, right? So they're not going to move. Right. And so that's a total Like that means they've paid off their home. Yeah. They don't have a mortgage payment. Right. They just own just own the home. An asset Can you that's going to keep appreciating. <laughs> <laughs> no, I truly can't imagine. I know. Yeah, but they, they own it outright. Um, th they pay no money to live there. Uh, Except property taxes, maybe. Well, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah that's true. But fuck them. Not, not California. California is weird about property. Anyway, yeah, yeah. but um, so there's those people. They're not going to sell their homes. They're not going to move. Like, why would they? Uh, and then, like, I think it's a third of the housing market is owned by boomers. And they're probably not going to move either because, like, you know, they're pretty much strapped in for a little bit. And so there's just not a lot of supply coming to market. And there's also not a lot of supply being built because home builders are like, whoa, you know, things are pretty wacky out here. We're not going to build up new homes. Like who's going to move in? And so like, that's also an issue too. And is it also, is it more expensive for them to build right now too? Yeah. Okay. So it's more expensive for them to build and they're worried that people will not buy them yeah. once they're built. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a lot of worries about like the actual materials that are being used to build these homes now <clears> too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so the raising rates 
so is how does it all tie together yeah i mean it's the, the intended effect was for it to yeah help and and that's something mary daly was talking about right yeah. when she and mm-hmm. and that's when i'm like well i don't know if this is the most convincing argument especially with everything you're talking about we yeah. have um you know maybe prices are coming down a little bit but affordability is not right builders don't want to build because it's expensive and they're worried people won't move in yeah so i mean what what is the end goal with uh like where where are we gonna shake out Am I ever going to be able to, am I ever going to be able to own a home? I mean, home prices are going down um, and it'll depend on like how supply hits the market. Like I think the biggest thing is like people feeling a little bit more confident again, because like that's a huge part of what drives the overall economy. And Never feel confident. Well, I don't know what to tell you there. It's Neither do I. <laughs> but I don't think it has anything to do with the Fed. But I don't know. Maybe it's to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. Let's put it on the Fed. <laughs> the Fed is why I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. It uh, It'll be interesting. Like, it'll kind of depend on when the fed decides to pivot so that's actually a really important point that i can't believe we didn't talk about so now i can't believe we haven't talked about i know either. I, but like it's actually really important because the fed is probably the meeting is next week they're probably going to raise they're definitely going to raise raise by 75 basis points nick from the wall street journal said it but the question is they're probably going to slow down into december and only do 50 basis points and so we're starting to see the fed decide you know turning pivoting a little bit not pivoting pivoting is not the right word but slowing down their, their yeah but i mean it feels crazy to even call that a slowdown yeah i, mean, I know after, yeah like, also if you have that slide there's a really good if you can find it there's a it shows how quickly we've raised rates it's towards the beginning oh, yeah um and it's 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 really if you go up top you'll we'll be able to slide down to it it's a really great chart because it it really puts into perspective how quickly they've been yeah raising these rates and now no. that's another important chart though <laughs> all these shares are important uh mm. um I, uh, right there so above jerome powell's head ah, yeah. here we go here we go yeah they're really raising rates and here so the this is the fastest rate hiking cycle since the early 1980s and if you see you you can see that yeah the blue line in different years we've had more of these kind of slow yeah gradual hikes and for ours we're just going basically straight up yeah vertical and so when they talk about like, oh, we're actually slowing down, we're pivoting, you're like, that's yeah. insane. Well, they're going from like 150 miles per hour on the freeway to, to like 90 100. <laughs> yeah, or 100, <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll still be know. cheering them on at the FOMC. You'll have your Mary Daly jersey on. Yeah, well, so like I get called a Fed simp a lot. <laughs> <laughs> And and I think to a certain extent, like things have to happen that the way that they're happening because that's how they happen. But there's <laughs> also it's just like there there is room to be frustrated about the impact that this is having and frustration about the narrow tube that the Fed is forcing themselves down to try and like impact the economy, you know, nudging things around when there's more direct ways to fix the issues that we have. So I think that is the issue with this graph is that they are going fast and furious mode. But it's also like if you're driving the car with no direction, unless, you know, the only way to end it is to crash. They're like, fuck it. I'll yeah. get in and press the gas. Yeah. How many analogies have we done? <laughs> I Like I said, I'm a big fan of analogies. Yeah. You yeah. did a great one when uh, a great TikTok when they were they were doing the hiking 
and you were like oh. you were pretending oh, to be I, a hiker too, very yeah. fun yeah. yeah yeah there's been a lot of memes about uh my favorite one was that you know the shaking hands meme it's like two things and then the one thing down below with the really strong arms no okay shit <laughs> no, okay. i'm 33 so i explain <laughs> memes i see i'm just like your grandma yeah i saw one it's two hands shaking no uh but it's like it was like the fed guys on dating apps and then two hands shaking and then and then hiking. on the bottom hiking. i think my friend joey made that holy shit joey's yeah. behind the hiking yeah. meme yeah because there's like guys on tinder yeah yeah, yeah yeah guys on dating that's profile. so funny yeah, yeah. my friend joey Shout out, Joey. Shout out, Joey. Really a great good newsletter. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's true. Um, hiking is a big part of their life right now for both groups. <clears throat> Should we do a little bit of crypto? Yeah, okay, crypto. Okay. Um, Play the crypto thing. We won't see it. It's in post. Oh. But it's sick when it goes. <laughs> Cheyenne made this cool artwork. Oh, I see. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, the yeah. And we haven't we haven't played. That's why when you said you had stuff to talk about, I was like, oh, yeah. that's great. We haven't oh, done it in so long. Yeah. And uh-huh. so I wanted you to give me a little update because all I see is like, Do Kwan is on the run. Yeah, I was just fucking fun. like you know he's saying you know he's sorry. Yeah. yeah it's not I going well. Never said sorry. <laughs> Maybe he'll say sorry. Yeah. Um, but you want to talk about Sam Bankman Freed? Yeah. So tell me what's going And some regulations. Yeah. Well, so regulation is like the key right now for crypto to be accepted into society. And like probably the future of crypto does hinge on a certain extent to proper regulation. Um, So Sam Bankman-Fried from FTX, uh, FTX is a crypto exchange. He's been really working on regulation, but the criticism of him is that he's basically making regulation for FTX to succeed rather than like the entire industry to succeed. And he also owns um, Alameda Ventures, which is like a, a crypto venture company. And they're buying up the distressed assets of these crypto companies that went belly up because of Doquan, right. because of that implosion. So he's kind of like everywhere. Monopolizing crypto? Yeah. Now explain this a little bit. Maybe <laughs> this is going to sound very naive of me, but Sam Bakeman fried is not a politician. No. He, so when you say he's working on regulations, what does that mean? So it means exactly. he's just like there. And like, is he like lobbying? I don't know if lobbying. Th- well, the last time I did see him, I think he was on stage with like Bill Clinton and. Uh... Oh, yeah. The Bahamas <laughs> thing. Yeah. Uh, Tony, or not Tony Robbins. Um, oh, who's the other Tony guy? Blair. Yeah. But who's the football guy? Anyway. um, Who just. I don't know. Okay, anyway. I don't know sports. <laughs> he just got divorced. Okay, not. Anyway. Um, but yeah, they were all there, I think. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, so Sam Bankman fried not a politician, but the regulatory space of crypto right now, uh, a lot of people are paying attention to it. So I th- believe he's just there, like helping guide it because he's testified in front of Congress before about what's going on. And but isn't uh, isn't regulation kind of like antithetical to the whole crypto? Um, I don't want to say mindset. Yeah. But ethos yes yeah well yeah yep but like in order for something to and this is just like one of those things where it has to be how it is sort of deal um in order for it to be accepted and for people not to get arrested like what happened with tornado cash which but i like when crypto guys get arrested uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I'm kind of a crypto guy. Oh, I wouldn't yeah. want you to get arrested. I don't want that either. Yeah, but I, I do think like there has been some people who probably should be arrested. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so the the whole space requires regulation in order for it to be integrated 
properly right. into society. And the question is, should it be integrated? And like, that's, I mean, I just think there's a lot of like existential questions that crypto, the industry is going to have to answer about itself moving forward. Like, do they want to be integrated with society? Do they want to be a fringe financing? Are they the digitalization of finance or the financialization of the digital? Like there's all these questions that they're going to have to figure out. <clears throat> yeah. Right. And so, but would you say it's kind of anal analogous to the stock market? Like, you know, we have the SEC and all these regulations that people have to abide by before they yeah. enter into the market. Is that kind of what they're talking about when yeah. when we're talking about regulating crypto? Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, like are the tokens that get issued securities and how does that sort of impact how they trade if they are securities? Because there's a whole lot of paperwork associated with that, you know? Right. Yeah. And do you have any insight on what Sam Bankman-Fried would like or is it too... Uh, do, do, are you not sure what he's... I mean, essentially, it would be a lot of like KYC stuff. So know your customer. And that would require uh, a lot of information on, and I think this is right, but essentially it would require a lot of information on the customers that are being associated with different crypto apps, which would completely tear apart DeFi, which is decentralized finance, which allows for people to be pseudonymous and not have to worry about having their identity broadcasted to the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anonymity will be our mm. final... Anonymity. Anonymity. <laughs> I shouldn't have tried. Uh, it was really... I, uh, I, sorry, but wait, I always wanted to say that word and like I always want to say pseudonymous, but there's always like um, a break in my... anonymous Huh? Pseudonymous. Su no, it's... No, su no. Yeah, but there's always like a break in my brain. Like, do you have words like that? Where oh, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, so and then... You I know what's the hardest word in the world? Oh. Indefatigable. Indef um, yeah, I won't... I don't know... I don't, and yeah. Uh -huh. But I, but like I literally sat at home and I was like indefatigable, indefatigable. Now I can say it whenever I want. Yeah. <laughs> Good words. Hold it up. What does it mean? It means like unable to tire. Yeah. Like That's, you can keep working word. forever. So not fatiguing. Exactly. Yeah. Just like how crypto. But it doesn't make sense though, right? Because they have in and duh. So if you were fatigable, it would mean you would be able to get tired. But if you were defatigable, you wouldn't be. And then they put an in in there. Unfatigable? Indefatigable. 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 <laughs> Read that word in an oh. Animal Farm. Oh, yeah. That's how I, I learned a lot of words, too, is reading. And so, oh, like, yeah, I've it's never the best heard way them. to learn words. No, it's not, because you never hear them say aloud. And so when you try to say them in public... <laughs> no, but that's... Okay. But that's great and fine. No. I have a thing where, like... If you make fun of someone for, for pronouncing something wrong, it's because they read it. So yeah. like you're being like, oh, what? You fucking read that word? I just heard someone <laughs> say it to me. And I was like, that sounds cool. I'll fucking say it. Yeah. But you read it. So it's like. I don't think a lot of people make that connection, though. I do. <laughs> I always say if you pronounce a word wrong, like. Oh. Who cares? Oh, well. At least you know the word. Indefatigable. <laughs> <laughs> You can't hear it because you don't have your headphones in, but he just he just hit it again. Who just hit it again? Uh, our, hit our, what? Our Indefatigable. Oh, hit the pronunciation. He keeps hitting it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Indefatigable. Yeah, I, I don't have anything in my ears. I can't. Yeah. Just only my thoughts. Was there anything else you really wanted to get to or you think we hit a lot? I think we hit everything. The housing market, crypto. Um, I mean, there's like so much to talk. Like bonds are really interesting right now, which is like a weird sentence to say, but bonds are really cool. But I mean, yeah, I think this is this is good. Um, energy markets. There's so much to discuss. Well, you know? we can always have you back on. Yeah. And I'm so happy you came. Mm -hmm. This was so fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for. Uh, also, everyone, go follow Kyla My on. Newsletter. 
Oh, go follow her newsletter. Oh yeah, plug anything you want. I oh mean, yeah, she's a she's the best source on the economy out there. She makes it oh. fun, interesting. She's honestly, you are like, I don't know how you keep so many things in your head. It's very, it's very impressive. So I was actually thinking about my thoughts this morning. You were thinking about your thoughts. This <laughs> yeah, because I was, I was like, man, I was like typing out notes for this, and I was like, I'm, tr- I really do feel like that guy that's like drawing the lines on that meme like that mm-hmm. guy because like my brain is trying to like connect the dots in my head so like i have this big visualization in my head of like all the different things that are going on like here's the bond market and, like here oh yeah, yeah, so- yeah. <laughs> do you ever feel like you have the perfect thing in your head but you're like oh there's no way i can get it yeah yeah no, all that. the time yeah. yeah yeah i'm like if i could just open it up you could see yeah. me, you'd be like oh right, you just crack the skull open. yeah we should all crack yeah. our heads open <laughs> yeah um <laughs> okay tell them where they can find you because because you're yeah. an invaluable resource if yes. you care about this stuff um so kyla.substack.com i'm on tiktok at kyla scan twitter at kyla scan instagram at kyla scan i have youtube channel as well and then i have a podcast called let's appreciate so i think it's everything and they're yeah. all fantastic yeah there's me with mary and my uh watermelon thesis yeah her yeah. stuff is so fun i really mean it and she makes it um very easy to understand and keep up with everything thank you Thanks for coming on, Kyla. Thanks for having me. Also, Ben is not here, but we do have, uh, I do want to let people know, we are still doing After Hours and we have a very special guest. We have a, we have famous author, Philip Matteries. He's going to be talking about his book, whoop, Horn If You're Honky. It's a, you're going to want to stick around for that. It's, it's a real treat for me to get to talk to one of my favorite authors. So I will see you in After Hours. Okay. Bye. <laughs> This week on After Hours. And you keep tossing me into these after dark things. <laughs> Is that famous author? Yeah. Bill Mattery? I'll get cuffed in the band. Oh, cuffed. Cuffed. We are best friends. That's going to hurt a lot of people out there. They think me and Ben are best friends. All right. Did people know that I introduced you guys? Sign up on tmgstudios.tv to watch the full bonus episode.